Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Today, I want to talk about those who are perishing. The perishing. They can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They cannot see it. What I'm finding out more and more Just like a drowning victim who kills their rescuer because of panic. When you you seek to save someone from certain death, they will always panic. So it's no different when you are preaching this good, great gospel preaching men to repentance, telling them that if they don't turn from their wicked ways and come to Christ and be born again, they face certain damnation. When you tell a person that, they immediately panic and become angry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They become angry resentful, and downright hateful. Why? Because their conscience is pricking them and convicting them that the way they are living is not right and the message being brought to them is accurate. And so what do they say? They say a lot, (laughs) okay? Trust and believe, oh, these people have a lot to say. And if you are not firm in your belief, if you do not have a spiritual backbone, I'm telling you, sinners and apostates, Those who claim the name, but for whatever reason, they say they have left Jesus Christ. At one time, 
they were on board with Jesus and for whatever reason, they believed they had had enough. Maybe it was something going down at the church. Maybe someone at the church hurt them or they were judged or whatever reason. They felt led that Jesus wasn't all, it was all cracked up to be for them. And so they will make the claim that that's why I left the church because of people like you. And I'm like, people like me, what? Trying to snatch your soul from hell's fire? So instead of repenting and returning back to your first love, you want to show out in the street with your mother and your children. And I'm like, these people really need to grow up. Okay, I get it. Not everybody wants Jesus. Okay, I will gladly move along. But if you are going to engage, I'm not going anywhere. And then, I don't get it. I'm... I'm, mm, I'm telling you, beloved, these streets, when you are out here preaching this gospel, now don't panic because there are some who really wants to hear this gospel, but I'm telling you the reality of the situation is that we have an enemy. And he has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. And these are they you will run into while while out preaching the gospel. So I'm seeing I'm seeing people in their their rawness. And it's like now I can understand day by day. When Jesus said that you will be hated because of me, he was not lying. He he wasn't being dramatic. This was not hyperbole. This was not being extra. The Lord Jesus Christ was giving us a spiritual heads up. So when we face this hatred Oh, beloved, let me tell you, those who do not want Jesus are some of the meanest people I'm running into. Our fight is not with that flesh and blood. Mm-mm. No, you got to understand who's behind all of that hate and venom. It is none other than Satan. So, when, when people are drowning in a pool of water, the first thing they want to do is to lift their heads above water to get air. Not realizing the more they struggle, the more 
they are drowning. And when you jump in to try to save them, instead of them just calming down and allow the rescue to take place, they start fighting against. They start they start to fight against the rescue. They are in panic mode. They don't care what you are trying to do. They only see you as a ladder. They will try to climb on top of you to get that head above water. All the while, they are killing you. So, both of you drown. So, beloved... I want to bring some things to our attention. We are called by the Lord Jesus Christ to go out into the world and preach this good news that God has made a way for sinners to be made right with him. When they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because Jesus died on the cross for the world's sin, Christ Jesus became a sin offering. He, he took our place. We should have been nailed to the cross because we racked up and stacked up a huge sin debt that we could not have ever paid. But Christ Jesus was sent to this world in, in a body of a man so that he can die for our sins. Christ Jesus, God in the person of Christ Jesus was reconciling the world back to himself, not counting men's sins against them, but canceling them through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are to go out and preach this good news, calling men to repentance, that in order for them to receive that precious gift of salvation. They must repent and turn from sin. Not that, not that repentance is what gets a person saved because we know it is only by God's grace that through faith in Jesus, we can receive that free gift of salvation, but we must meet the condition because salvation comes through repentance. How else are you going to grab a hold of this wonderful gift that we did not earn, nor could we have worked hard enough to obtain it unless a person repents. And what is repentance? Just so we can we can get get it clear because many claim that repentance is a work for salvation. It is not. 
Scripture is absolutely clear. There is no work we could have done in order to be saved. How do you get this salvation? Because sinners are not looking for God on their own unless he draws them when they hear the preaching of the gospel. Amen. In the New Testament, the key term for repentance has two two meanings. It is a change of mind and regret and remorse. In in both books of Mark and Matthew, Christ Jesus began his public proclamation with the call, repent. In addition, Paul is, Paul is said to have preached to both Jews and Gentiles, Greeks, to turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Repentance is only a condition of salvation and not its meritorious ground. Meaning, repentance does not get us saved. It has no merit where salvation for the lost is concerned. The motives for repentance are chiefly found in the goodness of God, in divine love, in the pleading pleading desire to have sinners saved, in the inevitable consequences of sin, in the universal demands of the gospel, and in the hope of spiritual life, and membership in the kingdom of heaven, we call all men to repentance. Why? Because God has called all men to repent. Because there is a day that he has set that Christ Jesus will judge the inhabited world in righteousness. And beloved, This is all we are trying to convey to the lost, and yet they want no parts of it. I don't know. I, it's like, it's like people are fighting to go to hell. Just like that, that drowning victim not realizing he is being saved but because he's in panic mode, he is going to take everybody out with him. Listen, true repentance leads a person to say, I have sinned. And they prove it with a 180 degree change of their direction. They were heading towards hell's fire. They heard the gospel. 
they believed that Christ Jesus died for their sins. They were a sinner on their way straight to a burning hell. But they heard this good news that you can have right standing with holy God. And through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you can have your past sins forgiven. And going forward, sin not. Mm -hmm. Because repentance requires true brokenness. Repentance is not asking the Lord for forgiveness with the intent to sin again. Repentance is an honest, regretful acknowledgement of sin with commitment to change. Repentance leads us to cultivate godliness while eradicating habits that lead into sin and we do this through the sanctifying work of Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you Holy Spirit and this is all I, I promise you this is all we are trying to convey to the lost. So let us find out more about those who are perishing. Jesus says, okay, I apologize for that long dramatic pause. I thought I paused, but apparently I didn't. So here we go. Jesus was saying over here in John 3, 18 to 21, why people hate him. Because if we let the lost tell it, the reason why they don't believe in God and they don't want to be born again is because of self-righteous condemning Christians. They hate the hypocrisy of it all. But is that the real reason? Is that the real reason why people leave church? Well, Jesus tells us what the real reason is. We see in John 3, 18 to 21, whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, no, con no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced. Why? Because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the only one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. This 
verse 19, this is the judgment. That is the cause for indictment. The test by which people are judged. The basis for the sentence is this, beloved. The light, capital L. This is why people are condemned. They have condemned themselves because they have rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So this, where we at? Verse 19, this is the judgment. This is the basis for the sentence. The light, capital L, Jesus Christ, has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light, for, for their deeds were evil. Amen. So they can, they can say what they want, why they are not coming to quote-unquote Christianity. It's not because of hypocrisy, although... They got a point about that because we see in the body of Christ a lot of that's going on, but that's not the reason. They say, well, they don't believe in God. Well, that's true, but that's not the reason, okay? That's just another excuse they come up with because the real reason is right here. They don't want to come to Jesus because of their evil, wicked ways. Not about the hypocrisy, not about all of that self-righteousness. They, they don't come to Jesus because when Jesus shows up, he exposes sin. So, verse 20. For every, look, it's telling us, every wrongdoer hates the light. The Bible is telling us that sinners hate Jesus. And they do not come to him, but shrink from it. They are shrinking from this light. Why? For fear. These people are fearful. That when they come to Christ Jesus, it says, for fear that his sinful, worthless, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. That's why they don't come to Jesus. They are afraid of him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They are afraid of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. But whoever practices truth and does what is right morally, ethically, spiritually comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help, independence 
on him. Amen. Listen. Regarding John 3.18, the Greek refers to an unsaved person who has made the decision not to believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. That is, not to accept the salvation offered by the Son and commit to follow Him. Such a person stands condemned by God unless he changes his mind. Amen. Unless he repents. Amen. Listen, a sinner must have a change of mind. No longer do they want their wicked, evil lifestyle. For them, no longer is sin the big-time fun. No longer do they mock God. No longer do they walk in unbelief of who He is. But they actually do a 180-degree turn in the mind and come to Christ Jesus, where now they have committed to follow, listen, and obey Jesus Christ. And a lot of people who are perishing don't want that process. You want to know why? Fear. Fear. That's why the Bible write Holy Spirit. That's why the book of Revelation tells us that when Jesus Christ appears... All eyes will see him, and those who have not repented, they will run into the mountains, wanting the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them because they are fearful of the wrath of the Lamb and of God. Listen, people people can talk all their big talk about Jesus throwing up the middle finger, screeching like warlocks and, and witches all day, all day long. They can, they can just trample all over the gospel. But at the end of the day, these people are fearful of Jesus. They are cowards because at the end of the day, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. So whether whether they bend the knee now or later, nonetheless, every single person will take the knee. Yes. So... For all of the big time bravado, these people are displaying out here in these streets. They can just save it because we have what's really going on. And this is where compassion, nonetheless, compassion shows up because it is it is very tempting to to get off in the flesh when you are trying to warn the people snatch 
souls from hell's fire. And yet these people, just like this drowning victim, fighting, cursing, just acting every bit of their father, Satan. So we get it. We get it. And we are coming to the understanding of what's going on. What's going on is that they are in fear of Jesus Christ because he exposes their wicked, evil, worthless activities for what it is. Amen. Jesus tells us over here in John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you since you are part of it. He was, he was telling this to his to his earthly brothers because they didn't believe him either. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah and and they were they were trying to coach him into revealing to the world who he is. Because they were saying something like, you know, why don't you make yourself known? Like make it public who you are. And Jesus was saying the world cannot hate you. He's talking to his worldly carnal brothers since you are part of it. But it does hate me because I denounce it and testify that its deeds are evil. Amen. And this is why the world hates Jesus. Because he denounces their evil works. Listen, denounce means to publicly declare to be wrong or evil. Jesus is condemning. He is criticizing. He is attacking. He is, he is rejecting. He is finding fault. He is casting aspersions on. He is what he's doing. Slate, wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is calling them out. So whatever word you want to use for denounce, he is damning their evil works. And so when you have someone not praising your your evil activities, you are going to hate them. He says back over here in John 7, 7, that the world hates him because I denounce it and testify that its deeds are evil. Amen. So let me let me give us some scriptures about this hatred toward Jesus. And then maybe we can have a better understanding at the backlash that that comes against any messenger. Because beloved, I'm telling you, the Lord got me in this season about divorce, remarriage equals adultery. So I got a sign made up, right? Beloved, when I tell you I have not met so much backlash with any other sign. I have had 
until this one sign. Oh, and the fact that I live in an, an army town where divorce and remarriages are rampant. Let me tell you, there are some people that may seem to be sweet as apple pie. You get them alone in their vehicles and they are facing their sin head on. You should see them manifest. I'm telling you, the Lord got the right one because I'm telling you, I will not be swayed by anybody's, anyone's outburst. I'm telling you, these grown people need to grow up. For some reason, the exposing of this sin in their lives reverts them back to a toddler. I'm telling you, I had to tell many to simply grow up. And worse yet, they are doing this in front of their small children. I'm talking like school age kids. And when they see mama acting like a fool, because that's what she's doing. And then little Johnny wants to get in on the act. And I'm like, really? You got this precious baby out here condemning Jesus because monkey see, monkey do? Do we need to go into the scriptures to find out the level of punishment one will endure if you, if you, if you be a stumbling block to any one of these children and causes them to sin? It ain't going to be pretty, beloved. Listen, John 15, 18. Jesus says, if the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. Amen. And I'm so grateful I got this understanding before he put me out there into them streets. Because I would have had my feelings hurt. These, these people are ruthless. I'm telling you, beloved. Some people are just mean. I mean, just mean for no good reason. If you don't agree, keep driving. And like I had to tell this one lost soul, they be giving homage to Satan, throwing up devil horns and, and all of this worshiping of Satan. And I'm telling them, Satan hates you. And here you are acting, I'm going to say it, like a fool giving him homage when he cares nothing about you. He got you right where he wants you, cursing God. You and him are going, if you don't repent, you're going to end up in the lake of fire right along with him. You have no idea what you are doing. Stop it. But oh, no, no, they rather fight. Just like this drowning victim, they rather fight at the ones that are trying to save them. 
not that we are Holy Spirit. We are, we are just trying to bring them to Christ so he can save them. But they want no part of it. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Beloved, Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. We got to understand the Lord hates evil. All of it. No, he doesn't excuse none of it. He hates it all. So, what else I got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psalms 97.10 is commanding us to hate evil. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Because, again, it is rough out here in these streets. And you know what? It is fine with me. Amen. Listen, to be honest, I'd rather have it no other way. Because then we are no. Then we know the kingdom of darkness took a hit. Oh, yes. And so, Matthew 24, 9, Jesus said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Amen. Look, 1 John three thirteen. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. I'm not surprised. I am I am so not surprised. Yes, it it does bother me sometimes, okay? Because a few times I had to catch myself because I'm telling you, it is real easy to get off in the flesh. I got to remember I'm at work. I'm not back on the streets of Brooklyn. I am not that sinful woman because in times past, oh, we can get it in. But I'm being saved. Lucky for you, <laughs> okay? I'm trying to get up out of here in one piece to the glory of God. So y'all better stop messing with me, Miss Missy. You should have seen her. I'm telling Listen, okay. <laughs> these these. What is wrong with folk? That's all I got to say. What is wrong with folk? Whew. These, these drowning victims. So listen. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not 
of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Amen. I believe you, Lord. I, I, you don't have to tell me twice. I'm, I'm looking at it front and center. It's true. It's true. What else? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. John 15, 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. Yep. Luke 14, 26. Because, beloved, listen. At the end of the day, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me. And does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciples. My my disciple. Amen. Listen, we got the command. Matthew 5.44 But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Amen. So, no, Cynthia, we can't fight the people. <laughs> okay? We got to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of my enemies, those who persecute me. I pray that they come to repentance. I pray that they come to their senses as they ought to and stop sinning. Have mercy on them, Father. They they know not what they do. They have no idea what's going to happen to the one who rejects Jesus Christ and dies without repenting. Have mercy on them, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. So, what else I want to give you all? Who knows? I, I, I may be making this short tonight. So, um, well, oh, I know what I got for you. Hold on a minute. One second. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. Because this is the, if not one of, but the main problem. What's going on with those who are perishing. Listen, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. So what does that mean? Well, Paul begins to expand on his statement from the end of verse 17. That Christ did not send him to focus on words of eloquent wisdom. As he preached the gospel, lest 
lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul divides the world into two groups of people. Those who are perishing and those who are being saved. Those perishing are destined for eternity apart from God. While those being saved are destined for an eternity of sharing in God's glory. Amen. And to the first group, those who are perishing, the cross of Christ is folly. The original Greek term for this word folly is from the same root word forming English words such as moron. Mm -hmm. In blunt terms, Paul is saying that to the unsaved world, those who preach the gospel look like idiots. Amen. And you know what? That's true. I'm telling you, these looks on these people's faces are like, you are an idiot. That's not true. Adultery is not when you remarry. You you are an idiot. You got it wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And they just shaking their head like little bobble dolls. You should see the heads just going up and down. No, 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 no. That's wrong. And I'm like, you, you keep shaking that head and it's literally going to pop off. I, I mean, they are in such denial. They... Some are, and I pray, will go home and study the scriptures that the Holy Spirit provided on that topic. But for some who just like, no, 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 you, no, that's not true. I mean, and they are firm in their negativity. So, yeah. Paul is saying that to the unsaved world, those who preach the gospel look like idiots. Broadly speaking, ungodly people think believers and their faith are stupid. So to them, we are nothing but a bunch of morons. Yeah. Are you cool with that? Because see, I'm cool with that. Are you cool with that? Are you cool with being considered an idiot? Because you out here preaching this hot mess according to them. Are you prepared to be treated like this? As if you don't know what you're talking about. Because beloved, you better be ready. Because if you preaching it the way Christ preached it, repent or perish you're going to go to hell if you don't stop it and, and, and turn to Christ and be born again. You're going to be hated. And you are going to have to be okay with that. So, in Paul's day, the cross remained in widespread use by the Romans as a means of public execution. It was a symbol of shameful crimes and powerlessness 
before the irresistible Roman Empire. The cross of Christ was not foolish in the Greek and Roman culture as a result of atheism. In truth, they believed in all kinds of gods, little g, and sorted them by the power they wielded over nature and humanity. The cross of Christ was foolish to the pagan culture because Jesus Christ was rejected by his own people and crucified like any other common criminal by the Roman machine. Mm-mm-mm. From the Greek and Roman perspective, that was no kind of God to worship. For those who are being saved because of their faith in Christ, the, the cross is understood to be God's most powerful act. God's son did not lose a fight with the Jewish leaders or the Roman government. He wasn't overpowered or outmatched. So let us not ever get that twisted. God the Father sacrificed his son Jesus for human sin. Jesus Christ, in spite of limitless power and authority, gave up his life to cover the sins of those who were perishing. Those who trust in Christ understand that without that powerful act, we would be lost and without hope. Amen. All right, beloved. In closing, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And then we're going to talk about verse 4 of this, of this passage. Therefore, Paul was saying, since we have this ministry, just as we received mercy from God, granting us salvation, opportunities, and blessings, we do not get discouraged nor lose our more, nor lose our motivation. But we have renounced this disgraceful things hidden because of shame, not walking in trickery or adulterating the word of God, but by stating the truth openly and plainly. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, but even if our gospel in some sense hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only to those who are perishing. Verse 4, among them the God, little g, of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, 
and <clears throat> and ourselves and ourselves merely as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light, capital L, of the knowledge of the glory and majesty of God, clearly revealed in the face of Christ. Amen. Verse 7. But we have this precious treasure, the good news about salvation in unworthy earthen vessels of human frailty, so that the grandeur and surpassing greatness of the power will be shown to be from God his sufficiency and not from ourselves. Amen. Paul hit the nail on the head. Listen, we are not preaching ourselves because they, the loss, for whatever reason, well, we know the reason is Satan behind all of this madness, seem to believe that what we are preaching comes from our own opinions and recommendations. Not at all. This comes from Jesus Christ himself. So we're going to be looking at verse 4. Because this gospel that Paul was preaching. And now that we all preach. In some sense it is hidden behind a veil. It is hidden only to those who are perishing. Among them, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the, of the unbelieving to prevent them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Amen. So, what does that mean? What does it mean that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of the living God? Well, the truth of the gospel, the good news about Jesus is veiled from those who are perishing. This was Paul's comment in the previous verse in 2 Corinthians 4.3. In the previous chapter, Paul wrote about a veil that keeps those hardened by sin from being able to see God's glory. This glory is revealed to humanity in Christ, but the veil is only removed from those who turn to the Lord. We see this in 2 Corinthians 3.16. Then, and only then can they see God's glory. Those who resist will be made unable to see the truth 
at all. They won't be able to see it. Why? Because there is a veil over their eyes. They are blind. They have been blinded by Satan. And the only way, thank you, Holy Spirit, for this understanding. The only way for them to be able to see is they must come to Christ Jesus. Just like that old time song, I was once blind, but now I see. Glory be to God. So, after insisting that he and his co-workers openly and clearly teach the gospel, Paul has repeated that this does not mean everyone understands his teaching. The truth is hidden from those currently destined for eternal death apart from God. They are perishing because they do not understand the truth and they cannot understand it because they refuse to. Amen. It's not like God hasn't revealed it. He has revealed his glory in the image of Jesus Christ. But they refused Jesus. Didn't we not read about this over there in John 3.18? They have condemned themselves. They are already condemned because they rejected Jesus Christ. The only one that could have saved them, but because they were fearful of him, because when he shows up, he exposes, he denounces their sin. People who love darkness don't want light to be shown nowhere, just like a sleeping person. You turn on that light and they have a fit. Why? They rather have the darkness of sleep more than you turning on the light. It is time to wake up. But they rather keep on sleeping in the dark. And just like the lost, they want the darkness more than the light, which is Christ Jesus. He tells us he is the light of the world. Amen. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that over here in John 8, 12, real quick. He was saying how he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Look. He made this statement during, during the Feast of Tabernacles. At this feast, a huge, what they call those, you know, that big candle opera. Well, it was lit in the woman's court of the temple. It reminded the Israelites of the, of the pillar of fire that, that guided their their ancestors during the wilderness wanderings. Jesus made this statement just after forgiving rather than condemning a woman caught in adultery whom the Pharisees had brought before him in the middle of his teaching. 
Jesus was letting them know that in a world darkened by sin, he is holy. His light contrasts the darkness and he offers the light and guidance to those stumbling in sin. The people knew the Old Testament scripture that says, For the Lord God is a sun, S-U-N, and shield, the Lord will give grace and glory. Amen. And that's Psalms, that's Psalm 8411. In that instance, Jesus was epitomizing the character of God as a son, which provides light, a shield which protects, and grace which forgives for the glory of God. Amen. So coming back over here to what Paul was saying up over here in in Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4 4 because he was saying that how those who are perishing they perish because they don't understand the truth and they can't understand it why because they refuse to understand it so Paul shows that someone is at work to keep those who are perishing from coming to Christ. There is an actual person making an effort behind the scenes to keep people from being freed from this lack of understanding. And Paul refers to this entity as the God of this world. Little G. Paul is describing the work of Satan on earth. Mm -hmm. The devil actively participates in blinding the minds of those who don't believe in Jesus to keep them from coming to faith in Christ. His purpose is to keep them from seeing the light. Oh, yes. And Paul describes truth as the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, Christ is literally, is literally God's revelation of himself to humanity. Listen, study John 1.14 and Hebrews 1.3. Our Father in heaven means for humans to know him by knowing Christ. Only those who come to him through faith in Christ can see his glory. Those who see it begin to be transformed to become more and more like Christ. Amen. Beloved, please study 2 Corinthians 3.18. Paul has now identified two sources of spiritual blindness. Sin inside of unbelievers and the work of Satan to keep them spiritually blind. So we see what the problem is. The lost who are perishing think it is foolish that 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 
Jesus would even die for the sins of the world. All of that makes absolutely no sense to them. And those who preach this great good gospel are a bunch of bunch of idiots to them. So Paul tells us was who's who's behind this blindness? It is Satan. He keeps them blinded to the truth. They can't see God's glory because they refuse to understand and come to Christ Jesus. Yep. So there we have it in a nutshell. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Amen. And therefore, they perish. They refuse to come to Christ Jesus and and to have their sins forgiven. That's sad. It truly is. And, and that's why we continue to go out day after day. That maybe this is the one that God has chosen from the foundation of the world. That when they hear the gospel, they will, they will respond to it with a great big yes, Lord. Because the Bible tells us that that there are those who are destined for destruction. And so some may say, well, then if God already knows this, then why do we preach the gospel? It's because we don't know who these people are that have been from the foundation of the world to be chosen or be destined for for hell's fire and eternity in the lake of fire. Beloved, let us not get too haughty in questioning God about anything that he does. He says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is the potter and we are the clay, and he will show mercy to whom he decides to show mercy to. Study Romans chapter 9, because over there, it gets our lives together where it comes to wanting to question God about anything that he does, because none of us, none of us, could be saved. He could have just called this quits at the garden. Forget about the flood. Forget about Sodom and Gomorrah. Forget about Christ Jesus coming and dying on the cross and being resurrected and still alive today. Forget about the preaching of the gospel to us Gentiles so that we can get in on this new covenant that was first preached to Israel but they rejected it. They didn't even receive the Messiah. All of this could have just been kiboshed. Yeah. So we give glory to whom glory is due. God the Father. And whomever he chooses. Whether to spend eternity with him. 
or that lake of fire, who are we to say what and why he chooses to do what he does? He's God and he don't have the answer to none of us. He is self-existent. He don't need us. We need him. But to the glory of his name, those of us that he has chosen for eternity in his kingdom, we are grateful. Glory be to God. The blinders have come off. We are now in Christ Jesus and all we want to do is to preach this gospel. To bring him his light. We don't know who they are. So who are we to say, well, then what's the point of preaching the gospel if some has, have already been predestined? I'm not getting off into that teaching. I'm not doing it, beloved. All we got to do is study Ephesians. It's all in there about the elect. Whether you believe it or not, God has chosen a people, a royal priesthood that he has chosen to be his own special people. So be grateful that you are of the chosen. So there we have that, beloved. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we have been made alive in Christ. And you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. Amen. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 tells us just as in his love he chose us in Christ actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy that is consecrated set apart for set apart for him, purpose-driven and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved, his son, Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and understanding with practical insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ 
with regard to the fulfillment of the times, that is the end of history, the climax of the ages, to bring all things together in Christ, both things in the heavens and things on, on the earth. Amen. In him also we have received an inheritance, a destiny. We were claimed by God as his own, having been, verse 11, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand according to the purpose of him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. Amen. Father, we see it right here. We have been predestined. We have, we have received an inheritance, a destiny. We were claimed by you as your own, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand according to the purpose of you who works everything in agreement with your counsel and design of your will. Amen. And so, Father, if we come back over here to Ephesians chapter 2, may I read this to your children? This is some this is some awesome good news that all of us should make sure that we know this about our salvation. Starting in verse 1. And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. In which you once walked, you were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit, who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self, indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the, and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, glory be to your name, Father, verse 4 of Ephesians 2. But God, being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, 
His undeserved favor and mercy. You have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed. And seated us with him in the heavenly places. Because we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he did this so that in the ages to come. He might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by by providing for our redemption. For verse 8, it is by grace God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is, <clears throat> but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not, verse 9, as a result of your works nor your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us. Verse 11, Therefore, remember, that at one time you Gentiles by birth who were called uncircumcision by those who called themselves circumcision, itself a mere mark, which is made in the flesh by human hands. Remember, at that time you were separated from Christ. See, not to get off in the whole teaching that Gentiles were not given the covenant. Back to verse 12. Remember, at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from any relationship with him, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenant of promise. Listen. With no share in the sacred messianic promise. And without knowledge of God's agreements. Amen. And Father, just as a, as a sidebar. This scripture alone debunks the whole teaching that we must keep the Torah and keep the 613 laws of Moses as if we 
were as if we were given this covenant to keep. Paul is letting us know we were as Gentiles alienated from these agreements. We were we were strangers to the covenants of promise. We didn't have any share in these promises whatsoever. We had no knowledge of them. So why does Torah keepers want us to keep this covenant when we were not even given it to to keep? So that's another teaching back over here. Verse 13 of Ephesians 2. But now at this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who once were so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us, antagonism between us, by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinances which he satisfied, which he satisfied so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. Amen. And that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. And he and he came and preached the good news of peace to you Gentiles, who again were far away and peace to Jews who were near. Amen. Verse 18, Father. For it is through him that we both have a direct way of approach in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of, with the saints, God's people and are members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together, and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. A sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. Verse 22. In him, 
and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built up together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Amen. Father, how wonderful is all of this. I pray that my brothers and sisters take heed and listen to what the Spirit just told us. This is some wonderful good news. And this is all that we are trying to bring to the lost. That in Christ we have a wonderful inheritance. At one time we were far from you because of our sins. But in Christ we are drawn near to you, Father so that we can have eternal life. So, Father, I pray for wisdom, tenacity, and strength that no matter how many people reject Christ Jesus, there will be some who will welcome this good news, and it will be a great honor to serve as a messenger of Jesus Christ to convey this good news to those who once were blind, but now they see, bringing them to the light. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Well, there we have it, beloved. I had to read us that whole passage so that we don't forget who we are in Christ Jesus. We most certainly have been made alive in Christ. And all we are trying to do is to bring this message to the lost. Whether they come kicking and screaming, whether they reject it, nonetheless, all we do is is plant and water. It is God who gives the increase. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Remember, do not be deceived. Bad company will always corrupt good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.